With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Saul Bookman Show, live from the Vivid Seat Studio. Very excited to be here today. And just a reminder, you can download the Vivid Seats app and save yourself up to $100 by using the promo code OVERTIME, especially if you want to score some Oregon State-Arizona tickets this week for homecoming, which we will get into at the end of the show. Football is alive and well, or maybe not so much for this Arizona football team. Three in a row they have dropped. We'll talk about that with my man Justin Spears. We'll get into some U of A basketball It's going to be amazing. My man Corey Williams is joining us on the program today. So stick around. Let's go hit the field. Third and five at the Arizona 14. K.J. Costello lobs it for the end zone. Mm. Bryson Tremaine, touchdown, Stanford. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change going to come. And just like the song says, a change has in fact come. Marcel Yates is out as defensive coordinator of the Arizona Wildcats football team. Along with him, John Rushing, the linebackers coach, is gone. A lot of change coming, and it's it's kind of a, the opposite of out of out with the old and in with the new. It's out with the new, in with the old, because Chuck Cecil. You all know who he is. He's back. He is the defensive coordinator for the Arizona Wildcats, one of the greatest players in Arizona history. Uh, Obviously, we know the legend that is Chuck Cecil, especially when it comes to ASU and interceptions. But Marcel Yates, I mean, he just never got – he never got a hold of this defense. He never got a hold of the program. At first, it was because, you know, you thought maybe he just didn't have his guys – Everybody knows that the Wildcats under-recruited. Uh, you know, they underperformed on the recruiting trail time and time again. And Marcel Yates, you know, he really reaped the fruits of that labor. And that was a large excuse as to why early on he didn't have much success. You fast forward four years later, this is his fourth year in the program, and he still could not get this unit to be one cohesive product and consistent product more than anything else. I think you saw that in the last five weeks, how they would perform well in some halves, and then they would perform poorly in others. And, you know, the entire time Marcel Yates was defensive coordinator at Arizona, here are some numbers. They currently ranked 11th in the Pac-12 in total defense and 12th in points allowed. And the biggest stat is they never finished better than 9th. 9th! In either category under Yates. That's all you need to know. You can't be a bottom feeder in this league for too long. Otherwise, people lose jobs. And Marcel Yates just lost his. And Chuck Cecil, you know, he had some time in the NFL. Defensive coordinator with the Tennessee Titans. He came on as a special advisor a couple years ago under Rich Rod. 
and now he takes over as the defensive coordinator. It'll be interesting to see how much he can implement in a short amount of time, but I will tell you this. There is no more hard-nosed coach on that roster right now than Chuck Cecil. I think we are all aware of that. We know what he brings to the table. We know how much he cares about this program. It is an exciting time to be a part of this program now that Chuck Cecil is here. And this will, you know, hopefully this will turn things around. Hopefully this will turn things around because as of right now, there's four games left on the schedule, and all four games are going to be tough. Yes, even Oregon State, because you just like you Arizona, you never know what Oregon State team is going to show up. So the Wildcats need to win that game. They have to win that game if they have any hope of making it to a bowl game. And then they have a brutal back-to-back series of games with Oregon at Oregon and then Utah at home. Both of them are in the top 10. Both of them are fighting for a college football playoff berth. And then you wrap it all up on the road at ASU. And I know ASU is always a toss-up. It doesn't matter what the records are. You can throw them all the way out for sure. But Arizona was faced with the same situation a year ago. They were 5-6, and six, had an opportunity to win that game up handily in the fourth quarter and let it all go away and found themselves at home come December. You don't want to be in that situation again. It's most likely that you will, but... What are you going to learn from last year? And I think Kevin Sumlin has now really put his foot forward and said, hey, we need to make changes in this program. It starts with him. He's the one that needs to change everything. And he made his first move a long time. Uh, you know, Marcel Yates used to work for Kevin Sumlin back to Texas A&M, and now he's gone. And so I think that shows you a lot about how Kevin Sumlin really wants to change this culture. He wants to change this program. He needs to. I'm sure he's feeling a lot of pressure from the powers that be. Um, I'm sure this is not, he's not far removed from being on the hot seat anytime soon. I, you know, this year he's starting, that seat's starting to warm up because you can't keep going out there time and time again and having complete complete ineffectiveness on the football field, especially from your defensive unit. Your offense is sporadic. You need to find some consistency. He's going to start with the defensive side of the ball. And don't be surprised if moves are made on the offensive side of the ball if things don't really turn around quickly for this program. So as a heads up, we recorded this podcast uh, earlier in the weekend, and then this news broke. So the upcoming interview with Justin Spears is going to be void of any Marcel Yates talk uh, because this had come out after the interview was over. So just a heads up. And next up, we do have my man Justin Spears. Before that happens, though, let's get a word from our sponsors. Arizona loses their third game in a row on Saturday. It was a brutal showing by the defense. The offense had some issues. Overall, there's a lot of questions still left with this team and joining me on the line right now is my brother from another mother (laughs) Justin Spears (laughs) from uh, the Daily Star he was up in Palo Alto yesterday Justin how's it going buddy it's going good man thank you for having me on the podcast of course man of course you know uh, one of the things that you and I uh, often talk about is just how Jekyll and Hyde Khalil Tate is and I think that's probably a good place to start because most fans 
that's all they want to talk about. He, that's the hot button issue right now. In your from your perception, watching Khalil Tate and Grant Gunnell swap spots uh, yesterday, what were your overall takeaways on that? You know, this is something that I think is going to continue to happen. I, I think you're going to see, you know, Grant Gunnell, you know, get sprinkled into the offense more. You know, just just to, if they need a spark. You know, if Khalil Tate isn't getting it done, they're going to throw Grant Gunnell out there, in which they did. Now, I was uh, I was very surprised by uh, how soon Grant Gunnell came into the game because you know against USC and against Washington, the only times you saw uh, Grant Gunnell, they were you know in garbage time. It was in mop up time, as Kevin Sumlin said. They put Grant Gunnell in the third series of the game, and that was something that Kevin Sumlin said was predetermined. And I was kind of surprised because. Khalil actually looked pretty good as I thought in the first drive. The offense was humming along. They were moving the they were moving the ball down the field, and even though they didn't score a touchdown, they were still able to get three points on the opening drive. And they've really struggled setting the tone offensively this season. Um, and then you know the, the next possession, Khalil Tate goes three and out, and that's when we saw Grant Cadell. Uh But you know, regardless, I think you know Khalil Tate played a better game than he did against USC. I know those, those interceptions were costly, but um, you know, I thought Khalil Tate did okay for the time being. Now, with that being said, you know, Arizona's entering the, you know, kind of the meat of their schedule. They have Oregon State next week, and then they have, you know, three really good teams in Oregon, Utah, and ASU up ahead. Uh, but, you know, with the quarterback situation, you know, Grant Gannell has now played in five games this, this season, so he's no longer redshirting. So, if you're going to get ready for next year and you want your quarterback to be ready, I expect, I expect Grant Gannell to play a little bit more. Uh, okay, so you, you, there's, there's two points I want to make. One, uh, I think a, a mutual friend of ours back in the day, Fernando Galvan, used to say, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he used to say that habitually, and it used to irritate the hell out of us. Right now, those words ring so true um, to a lot of fans. Now, do you believe in a two-quarterback system, Justin? Oh, man, is this 1998? <laughs> 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 but see, the thing about the two-quarterback system in 1998 for Arizona with Ortez Jenkins and Keith Smith was that it actually worked. They were actually winning football games. They're not winning any games uh, this year, um, or at least they've lost you know, the last three. I, I don't know if this you know, two-quarterback you know, system can work. You know, they're both so different and the play calling is very different when both of them are in there. Maybe it can work. Um, I mean, I wish that they, the coaching staff would have used two quarterbacks, you know, throughout the year. If the entire, if the whole plan was to not redshirt Grant Gunnell, why not get him in more? Why not get him more experience if, if Khalil Tate was struggling? Uh, I remember uh, a famous uh, Rich Rodriguez quote when we asked him about, you know, the two quarterbacks of, like, Brandon Dawkins and, and Anu Solomon. You remember those days, Paul? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we asked him about, about the, the two quarterbacks. And he said, you know, why, why do people say, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none? That's like having – that's like saying if you have two pizzas, you don't have any pizza whatsoever. And we were like, well, I don't know. <laughs> He's not wrong. I mean, he's not wrong. I'd rather have two pizzas than no pizza whatsoever. But, you know, I, I think this could work 
but my goodness, it it doesn't bode well to the fact that they have you know three great opponents up ahead. So I don't I don't know what to make of it. I guess we just got to see more. You know, in, in the to be honest with you, you know, Justin, I don't want to put you on the spot because I know you you have a lot of. Um, you know, you have to be objective in, in the way you cover the team and stuff like that. So I'll respect that. Um, but but while that, with that being said, Kevin Sumlin overall, you know his his imprint on the program so far, uh, overwhelming, underwhelming, about where you thought it would be. What, what's your impression so far? Uh, very underwhelming. Uh, he's you know nine and eleven in his first twenty games as a head coach and uh, someone tweeted out yesterday or might have been the day before, um, you know, the, the coaching records through the first 20 games of U of A head coaches and he, and Kevin, someone's, you know, pretty close to the, to the, you know, the Mike Stoops uh, era, like his, his start, you know, Rich Rodriguez was 13 and seven uh, through the first 20 games. But, you know, the thing about Mike Stoops, and Rich Rodriguez, or think about Rich Rod, was he had Mike Stoops players his first uh, few years at Arizona. So, you know, he was winning with a lot of, you know, Stoops recruits. You know, Kevin Sumlin is now trying to win games with a lot of Rich Rod recruits. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, Arizona fans, they're willing to give Kevin Sumlin a little bit of slack uh, one, because of the expectations. You know, Arizona isn't expected to win nine to ten games every single year. They can as a program, but that's still yet to come. Uh, you know, Rich Rodriguez uh, didn't get Arizona uh, to, you know, the Pac-12 championship until his third season. So, you know, maybe, you know, with a whole other recruiting cycle, getting more Texas guys in and, you know, really getting some, you know, quality talent, maybe next year you'll then see – the program kind of, you know, take off. But for now, you know, he's just, he's just trying to win with the Rich Rod guys. He's trying to win with, you know, the, the scraps that Rich Rod left behind. And I don't mean scraps in a negative way. It sounds, you know, kind of demeaning to what these guys have done over the last few years. But, you know, these aren't Kevin Sumlin's players. Once Kevin Sumlin and his coaching staff get their guys in, then I think we can make – judgment as to how the coaching staff is done. You know, you say scraps. I think that's relative, right? You know, when you talk about scraps, you know, are we talking about, you know, scraps off of a, a steak dinner at Dominic's or are we talking about scraps off of, you know, my leftovers from McDonald's, you know what I'm saying? And so it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's two totally different, uh, two totally I, I, different I, I, types I, I, of scraps, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say, uh, I, <laughs> I don't mean to throw uh, shade at other practical programs, but I think Oregon State is like, the scraps at McDonald's. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take Arizona. I'll, I'll elevate them to like scraps at Chili. Or <laughs> um, not a not a not a steakhouse. Um, but yeah, you know Kevin Sumlin. He's just trying to do with what he's got. And um, yeah, just like I said, I just think we have to you know wait and see until they get a whole other recruiting cycle. Because that's when I uh, started making judgments towards Rich Rodriguez and the coaching staff that he had. You know, he was winning games, but he was winning with six recruits. And then once an entire recruiting cycle happened, and once he was in his fourth year, then you started to see kind of the drop-off. Arizona didn't have a lot of size. Uh, you remember. I mean, oh, yeah. Like their average, 
Yeah. Our average defensive lineman was like 250 pounds. Just bring it up. And it's like, no just, offense. Just bring up Texas, man. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Is everything bigger in Texas? I guess, I guess that's what they say because we asked him, well, have you thought about, you know, getting back into the state of Texas? And, you know, he kind of snapped back and said, why? Because everybody's bigger in Texas? That's what Kevin Sullivan's doing. He's getting guys from Texas. He's bringing in these bigger bodies. One classic example, you look at Trayvon Mason on the defensive line. I mean, Trayvon Mason, uh, say what you want about Arizona defense, but he's kind of emerged as a, a, as a sneaky star for next year. You know, he was able to uh, not get to the quarterback, but he's so tall and he's got long arms and he's a big body that he was able to kind of bat a couple of passes down Saturday against Stanford. And he's only gotten better as the season has progressed. That's a junior college player, number one, so he's experienced, and he's from Texas. These are the kind of guys that Arizona wants. We get Greg Ganell, the quarterback, 6'6 quarterback out of Texas. These are the kind of guys that, that Arizona wants. So, yeah, if they, if they get in Texas more and they start getting these guys, then I think that's when we'll start to make some judgment. Let's go back to this thing real quick. For those of you who don't know, Justin and I used to work together at the Daily Wildcat. And uh, one day before we went to a press conference, Justin and I were having a conversation, and I asked Justin, I said, "How come? How come Rich Rod doesn't recruit Texas? I don't, I don't understand why he's ignoring Texas completely." And Justin and I were talking, and Justin was like, "I'll ask that question at the press conference today." So he and I went to the press press conference that day. He asked that question, and Rich Rod uh, gave a smart ass answer. But what happened three or four months later? <laughs> they hired. They hired uh, Theron H., the, the, te- the wide receiver coach, who's from Texas. And uh, after they hired him, he said, yeah, we really need to get back into the state of Texas. We really need to <laughs> reopen that pipeline once again. And I was like, huh, really? So, Interesting you say that. So in essence, Justin and I changed the culture of the program. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. That's it, man. You just got to plant the seed and watch it grow, man. It's about molding minds. It's about it's about molding minds. So, exactly. Anyway, Justin. Hey, uh, I appreciate the time. Thank you for spending a few moments with me this morning, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing some more of your stuff over uh, on the Daily Star website. And you guys got some pretty cool stuff coming up for basketball season. They got some pretty cool. Um, uh, digital things to preview each individual player on the basketball team up ahead and and always follow Justin Spears and Michael Lev on the Daily Star uh, Twitter because they are phenomenal at what they do. So I appreciate it, brother. My guy, thank you so much, Saul. Before we get to U of A Hoops, I want to tell you guys about mybookie.ag. It's an easy way to make some money and place some bets on Pretty much anything you can think of. You can do it in-game, so you can say, hey, you know, uh, a a particular bet in the second half of a ball game or in the third inning of a baseball game, it doesn't matter. You can place in-game bets. You can place bets on game props, playoff odds, Heisman odds, national championship odds. It doesn't matter. They have it all right there for you. If you use the promo code OVERTIME at mybookie.ag, they will match your first deposit. Your first deposit will be doubled. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. You play, you win, you get paid. That's the best way to use mybookie.ag. So make sure you use promo code OVERTIME and make some money. 
I just wanted to give you guys a little heads up on some some former players that used to play for the program. First of all, Jared Bayless is over in China playing this season. He's not going to be playing in the NBA. Raleigh Alkins still hasn't signed a deal with anybody. I would look for him to move overseas if he doesn't get something relatively soon. He is still working out, so it, it appears that he still does want to play basketball. Uh, the Miami G League affiliate, the Sioux Falls Sky Force, drafted Brandon Randolph with the 34th overall pick in the G League draft. So that was pretty cool. And then Parker Jackson Cartwright, if you're not following him on Instagram, you should be. He updates it fairly often, but he's he's doing a really nice job over there with the Cheshire Phoenix in England. So just a little update on all those guys. And next up, my man Corey Williams is going to break down what he expects to see from this U of A squad this season. All right, and joining us today from Tucson, my man Corey Williams. Corey, what's up, man? Not much, man. How you doing? Good, good. Hey, you know, uh, you know, everybody's excited about basketball season, especially in light of uh, you know recent events with the football team. And uh, I thought it was a, a good time to kind of uh, talk about what your expectations are for this season. Let's start with uh, Nico Mannion. You know, uh, they call it point guard you, and that's a lot to have to hold up to in terms of what fans may want to see out of him. I'm very, very lenient with first-year players, especially in the Pac-12. It's a difficult league, no matter how talented you are. So given the history of a previous point guard at Arizona and given the, the hype surrounding Nico Mannion, I really want to see him um, be solid. Because what happens in a situation when you're on point, you're out there by yourself. Every turnover, every missed shot, every bad play, I mean, you really are under that spotlight. I think he's a talented player. I like his ability to get to the rim. I don't know if he'll be able to translate that into, you know, right away, you know, getting those layups that he's used to getting. But what impresses me about him is his ability to get separation and hit a shot. That's something, it doesn't matter how big you are, how young you are, how old you are. If you can get separation and knock down a shot, it is what it is. Um, In previous years, whether it was Coach Olsen or Coach Miller, they've all had point guards that would kind of allow other guys to take a few possessions off. When you got a kid that can come down, do a few things, and score, uh, it does take a load off your bigs. It does take a load off your wings to have a guy who can create. I think Nico has that ability. I just hope that uh, he gets off to a good start and you know doesn't really get inside his own head. So it's going to be difficult. This is a school with a lot of history, a lot of expectations at that spot. There's been a lot of talk about how he can play. Um, I hope he just gets off to a good start because the truth is, for me, you know the season begins with Pac-12 play. So I'm, I'm going to hold out until then, and hopefully he'll use that first 10, 10 or 12 games to get ready and then help. Arizona move into uh, contention for the championship of the conference. Yeah, what do you think about the comparisons with Bibby? You know, is is he the most accurate U of A point guard to to really make that comparison to, or is there another one that maybe uh, you think is a, a better fit? I I just don't think that's fair. I don't think that they're anything like each other. Mike Bibby was one of the is the best player in the country. Um, he came into a team that was loaded with predestined lottery picks and was the man and fit right in seamlessly and clearly could have been a one-and-done type player. 
um, Nico Mannion, I don't even know what to call it, uh, star power, that ability, I don't think he's on that level, having watched the little bit I've seen of him. Of course, Arizona fans are going to remember the last time they got their hands on a highly ranked point guard. It was the Mike Bibby type. But when you put them you know, on the court together, or at least watch tape side by side, I don't know that that's a fair comparison. That is a huge uh, standard to try to live up to. But I can understand exactly why fans go there right away. Mike Bibby was the last point guard to receive that kind of hype. But Bibby, I remember when Bibby came on a visit and recruits were allowed to play. We played pickup at the rec. And he's just out there doing his thing. And it's like he's already on the team. And I remember turning to Mike. Mike Dickerson and Miles Simon, I said, man, we had this kid right now. We could use him. And, and they were laughing. They're like, yeah, see, he's legit. We're going to be nice next year. And, you know, he fit right in. He had a maturity about him. He was a superstar player. He proved that he brought Arizona his only national championship. But to be put in that same sentence, I know it's an honor, but it could be a curse at the same time. I hope fans give him the chance to develop. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I I mean, we've all been scorned by the by the top-ranked recruit, especially when it comes to the guard position because, you know, we do have that moniker of point guard U, and, and a, a lot of times it hasn't worked out. You know, I think the last one to really to really hold his own um, after a little bit of hype was T.J. McConnell and living up to or surpassing the expectations, I think, of the fans. Um, outside of that, when we move on and we look at the season as a whole, what – what are you most looking forward to, and, and what's going to tell you a lot about this team early on? Chase Jeter and Ira Lee and the bigs inside. Josh Green, I think, is going to be very solid. But Arizona has to have a presence in the paint. The Pac-12 is a road trip league. It's a grind-out league. It's guys who control the paint. Rebounds equal possessions. Every coach knows that. If you get it beat up on the glass, you're going to get less possessions, less shots. And that's as simple as it is. I really um, don't know that they're going to initiate the offense through their bigs, but I'm watching to see, do they get pushed around on the glass? Can they rebound? Sean Miller and his grind-out teams where he had all those bigs. I mean, we're going back to the days of, you know, Kirill Nechetsko, and, and he's always had bigs that control the paint. And they had some of their most successful teams where he's had, you know, 6'10", 6'11", kids with wingspans in there getting rebounds and blocking shots. So I'm really looking for their presence. Uh, Arizona's never really struggled in terms of guard play, but they do rise and fall on the play of their big. So while all the sizzle may be out front, I'm looking to see, you know, do we have guys that are rim protectors? Do we have guys that we can get it inside, two dribbles and a jump hook? You know, because over the course of the college game, those are the plays that sustain you. The rebounds, the putbacks, the block shots. You know, shooters have hot nights. Shooters shoot, they miss. But if you don't have a post presence and you're just doing a four-man-out shell offense, you're extremely hard. You're extremely easy to defend. So I really want to see some activity out of those guys. And, and the truth is, you know basketball. It'll translate directly to Nico Mannion's success out front. If there's zero impact in the paint, he's going to be forced to do and try some other things that may or may not work out. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point. You know, uh, I think people often overlook uh, the power down low, and, and I think I agree that that is definitely one of the 
things to look forward to and, and hope that there's a tremendous amount of improvement uh, with Zeke Naji as well uh, contributing to that. And, um, you know, Ira Lee and, and Chase Jeter, obviously, those are the staples. Four returning, four returning players from last year's team that are actually going to play this, this season. Uh, that's a lot of turnover. They're ranked number four coming into the, to the season in the Pac-12 or expect to finish fourth. Uh, what are your thoughts on that ranking and, you know, and how much does that really matter in a player's mind? In a player's mind, it gives you a little bit of motivation. I mean, and I don't mean to sound like an old guy, but these kids are a lot more emotional than we were. I mean, but then there's a lot more reason for them to be emotional. When we came out, there was the preseason ranking in USA Today. There was Street and Smith, and that was pretty much it. And then, hey, let's roll the ball out and let's play. But now you've got this 24-hour news cycle that these kids are locked into. They're aware of the fact that they've been picked to finish fourth. They probably hear about it, look at it every day, and they're going to take that into battle with them, and it'll be a chip on their shoulder. So for these guys, it'll serve as motivation. Um, I think media day and just the overall impact of media on college basketball has increased so much that it does bear into how you approach the game. I think knowing Sean Miller the way I do, um, I think he's completely happy with Ford being not being out front, not being the hunted, just being a hunter and giving his guys something to shoot for. Um, it's very rare that the Arizona program has been an underdog status. Um, I think knowing what I know about college basketball, that's the, uh, that's the perfect condition to teach young people in. When they're, when they're losing, they listen and can learn. When they're winning, it's hard to teach. But if you're an underdog and every possession counts and you've got something to prove, I think you'll see Sean Miller's hand fingerprints on this team a lot more than in previous years. You know, I think back to the years with Aiden where, you know, some nights it was just 35 and 18 that he just didn't have to coach that. The guy was just going to go out and do that. And, uh, you know, they had chemistry issues on that team because they were so talented. This year's team, every player on this team needs the other players. So they'll be easier to coach. Being picked fourth, hopefully they'll – increase their chemistry because they do need each other if they're going to want to bring home a championship. Wow, you know, uh, overall, um, great points by Corey Williams once again. And and final question, Corey, the state of the program, obviously the last couple years have been trying for Arizona fans both on and off the court, um, you know, with the FBI and then the Book Richardson deal. Uh, What is your overall uh, perception of the program, both – as a as a as a fan of the program, obviously, and and also as a, as a former player. Well, you know, it's funny because everything is relative. And I remember what the reason I came to Arizona is I was a kid back in Illinois watching Steve Kerr and Sean Elliott on ABC and the and the and Coach Olson walk the sidelines, and I wanted to be a part of that. I loved the atmosphere when I got out here. I loved the fan support. I never played. I played all my entire career in front of a sold out crowd. And everything is relative. And you think that's the norm, that's what you're used to. That's what our fans are used to. And, you know, there are peaks and valleys. And, and at one point, Arizona fans thought the valley was Arizona missing the tournament. They thought that that was the lowest the college program could go if it not make the tournament. And when Sean took over and they, they broke the streak of 20-something years, a lot of people were down. And then come to find out, there are worse things. There are injuries. When you think about a kid like uh, Ray Smith, there are 
you know, all kinds of things that can go wrong in your program. Recruits sign and then they leave and then you have the FBI investigation. You have the Book Richardson thing. These are things that Arizona fans weren't used to. And they're starting to realize that the amount of talent and consistency and ability that they were used to is really abnormal. And now we've had some struggles and we've missed some tournaments and we haven't had great seasons that everyone was used to. 21 seasons, no less, but still not the stellar performances uh, that, that they're used to. So the state of the program, I think, is still very, very good because every program should have its ups and downs. I remember North Carolina when Dean Smith retired, people went crazy down there. They had never been in a, a quote-unquote low like that. But I think... Um, What's impressive to me is when I went to the Revenue scrimmage, I saw the fan turnout. Um, you hear the buzz around town. Everybody can't wait for basketball season. It's part of the community. It's part of who we are. Um, we've got some scars. There's no question about it. So we bring up some valid points. We've, we've taken some hits. But the fan base and the team is still standing, which to me says a whole lot about the state of the program. I know people in programs, and we won't name names, but they are scandal-free, never have gone through anything, and they can't get 5,000 people to come to a game. And these are Power 5 teams. So the state of the program is extremely strong, in my opinion. Yes, there have been some ups and downs, but it hasn't taken away from our ability to recruit. It hasn't taken away from our fan base. It hasn't, uh, you know, Sean Miller is still one of the best young coaches in college basketball. So there are a lot of bright spots. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you, you ain't a boss till you take a loss. And Arizona's taking a few losses, and now they're in a position where they're not the fan favorite. They've got a great chance to come from behind and, and make a lot of noise. And the thing about the Pac-12, there is no team that is just head and shoulders better than everyone. So I'm not going to say it's a coin toss, but any given night, guys can win. If this Arizona team gets focused, I can see them. Uh, winning the majority of the games at McHale, and then hopefully pulling off some nice upsets on the road. Fantastic, Corey. Uh, real quick for the people out there that don't really know much about your schedule, uh, what do you got going on this season? How many games are you going to be uh, calling? And uh, I assume it's still with ESPN, right? Yeah, we're doing, you know, back with ESPN this year, looking forward to a good season. Um, for starters, I will be at the Wooden Legacy, the Thanksgiving tournament that Arizona's going to be playing in. Uh, I think they tip off against um, Pepperdine. Um, I looked at my schedule. I don't think I'll be doing that game, but I'll be in the building, and I'll be gay, obviously there to see him and, you know, doing some little online commentary, tweeting and such, you know, the kind of stuff we do nowadays. But keeping a close eye on the Wildcats, um, and I'm not sure how the rest of our schedule shakes out, but I'll be there the first bracket um, if they win I'm not sure which way it falls but hopefully I'll get to call a game or two in the near future there you, there you have it Corey Williams busy all over the country in the preseason for sure and uh, continue to do great work for ESPN uh, hey I appreciate the phone call my friend And before we wrap it all up today, I just want to say thank you again for joining me on this podcast. Homecoming week is this week. It's going to be special. Arizona is going to wrap up the week against Oregon State. Before that, obviously, A Mountain has already been lit. You should know that. It's always lit the Sunday before homecoming week. Uh, the Alumni of the Year Awards are this week. The 50th Class Reunion 
is also this week, uh, along with the huge tailgate. It's going to be off the hook. If you can make it, please do show your support, show your love. If you can't make it in person, show your love to the alumni associations. You know, they, they have a huge hand in trying to put this together along with other people at the university. So it's going to be a great time this week. Homecoming is here, 2019. Hope to see you all down there. I will be down there. So if you can, uh, if you want to find me on Twitter at Saul underscore Bookman and find out where I'm going to be, uh, please come by. Stop by and say hi. I, I love going down for homecoming, and it's going to be a great time. So let's hope that the Wildcats can turn this one around. They need a win. They need a win in the worst way. It should be a fun time. Hope to see you all there. Bear down. Take care.